This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Hey, it's Anna. We have a very special episode for you coming up that's going to make you feel good and inspired and also like you have a lot of movies to add to your watch or rewatch list. It's a treat. Hosted by our show's executive producer and resident movie expert, Liliana Maria Percy Ruiz. But I'm popping in quickly to remind you of something. We are still collecting voice memos from you about what death, sex, and money has accompanied you through in your life during your time as a listener. We are loving hearing from you about the moments in the show that have stood out and stayed with you. And we'll share them with you as we end our nine-and-a-half-year run at WNYC at the end of this year. Record your thoughts and tell us about what the show's meant in your life. Send it to us at deathsexmoney@wnyc.org. Also, while we are still figuring out what's next for the show, that is not stopping us from celebrating our show and our team and what we've built together. If you live in New York City or you can be there on Saturday afternoon on December 9th, join us for a live event called Four Interviews and a Funeral. It's at Caveat, a cabaret on the Lower East Side. There will be special guests, music, and a reflection on endings. There's a link to ticket information in our show notes. Please join us. Okay, here's our new episode for you. Enjoy. I'm actually quite surprised that I'm so excited to talk about sports movies. But here I am. I am the parent to a two-and-a-half-year-old. His name is Hank. And he's a really special dude. Even before he was two years old, he became obsessed, deep, deeply obsessed with 90s sports movies. This is Death, Sex, and Money. The show from WNYC about the things we think about a lot and need to talk about more. And I'm not Anna Sale. I'm Liliana Maria Percy Ruiz, or Lily Percy, as I also go by here in the States. I'm the executive producer of this show. And as some of you may know, I really love movies. But what you may not know is how much I specifically love sports movies. I believe deeply in their power to help us when we need them the most. And I'm not alone in that. A listener named Lizzie is right there with me. She's based in Vancouver, British Columbia. And when we put a call out for your sports movie stories, Lizzie shared that for her, it all started with her two-and-a-half-year-old kid, Hank. So we would go, okay, we're into basketball this week. Let's find, oh, like Mike. 
oh, we're really excited about baseball, rookie of the year, or the sandlot. The sandlot, so good. We're not watching really Sesame Street. We're not watching Paw Patrol. We are watching The Mighty Ducks 1, 2, and 3. (laughs) Every day. Amazing. And Cool Runnings came up. I said, I wonder if this would work. I wonder if he'd be into this. And within the first 30 seconds of turning it on, he was sold. Bossette. Should we name them? Uh-huh. Uh, Doris? Gilbrenner. Oh, Yul Brenner? Uh-huh. Junior? Uh-huh. And your favorite? Danka. Who teaches them how to bobsled? The coach. What's the coach's name? John Candy. John Candy, Canada's gift to us all who died about two decades before Hank was born. In Cool Runnings, he plays the coach who takes the first-ever Jamaican bobsled team to the 1988 Olympics. He loves that moment when they land in Calgary and begin to do some of the intense training on the ice. All right, the super-coated track stars, move out and let the ice roster show you how it's done. Oh! Ah! Yeah. Like that, yeah. And we watch it through to the last scene. Feel the rhythm. Feel the ride. Get on up. It's bobsled time. He will be in classic kid pose, like on his knees, just taking it all in. He's hearing the bobsled so fast. And this is the famous run where they have this awful crash and they use actual footage of the real Jamaican team. I have to finish the race. And you see these four amazing athletes, they've picked up their bobsled and they are carrying it on their shoulders and they are obviously in pain. They've just been through a crash, but they are going to finish this race. This is the moment where I start crying every time, mm-hmm. and it is so cheesy, but. <laughs> the slow clap, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> and the first people clapping are the people who've been the most awful to them. Yeah. And it's not about the shot where the team has won and they have their hands in the air and they're high-fiving. It's about always finishing on on your terms. Watching Cool Runnings over and over again with Hank, Lizzie loved seeing how obsessed he was with it. The jokes, the music, it all became a part of the fabric of their daily lives. But what surprised Lizzie was how much she relied on it for support. Every day, in some way, there's often something that I am trying to get through for the first time, like parenting for the first time, is a marathon of messing up and trying different things and and not knowing. And that's why I always feel so emotional, is this universal experience of just crossing a finish line. Even when you get the shit kicked out of you, I don't consider myself an athlete. I never played team sports or did solo sports like running, at least not seriously. So no one is more surprised than me by the fact that when shit hits the fan, when I'm really struggling, 
I turned to sports movies. The epic training montages. The underdog against all odds redemption stories. The game-winning point right when the buzzer sounds. They make me feel like I can make it through. I can get up off the ground when life has beaten me down. Because it's like Rocky Balboa tells Adonis Creed in the first movie in the Creed series. When you look in the mirror... You see this guy here staring back at you? Yeah. That's your toughest opponent. Every time you get into the ring, that's who you're going against. I believe that in boxing, and I do believe that in life. Okay? I've played that clip over and over again in my mind. During some rough moments this past year, when I found myself surrounded by cancer and death in my close circle of family and friends. But I've been turning to Creed ever since it first came out in 2015. During the pandemic, in the moments of the deepest isolation, it was on regular rotation on my TV, along with the comedy Britney Runs a Marathon. The movie centers around Britney, a woman in her late 20s living in New York, and her decision to start running after an upsetting doctor's visit. Hey, it's Brittany. She needs to take a shit knee on the harmony. Best part, running is nothing. I hate it, but when I get home, I'm happy, I made it. I was just like, yeah, running sucks, and I hate it, <laughs> yeah. and I don't ever want to do it. Althea is 32 and lives in Brooklyn. She saw a lot of herself in the movie, and like Brittany, struggled to feel comfortable doing sports. I had always had sort of a larger body type, and I was historically an unnatural athlete <laughs> and would have to work very hard to just participate. Mm -hmm. um, and I found that like really discouraging. And I think that as an adolescent, I, I never felt comfortable. And mm -hmm. that really then just continued this cycle of sort of discouragement as far as not wanting to work out, not wanting to huff and puff, as I say, in front of other people, feeling really self-conscious. But I will say that I was a swimmer. And while I was like swim captain, I used to joke, it's just because like my voice just seared through water. <laughs> and I, I was a, a driving force for the team, but I was like routinely in like the slowest heat, if not come in like third, last, like I, I wasn't very good, but I, I did stick with it. The sticking with it is really hard. I'm impressed. Yeah. And I think it's, it's kind of why this movie resonated with me is because I think it really gets at that. Mm -hmm. Like doing something for the sake of doing something is, is worthwhile in and of itself. Yeah. But I tried lots of sports and quit. So I don't want to sound like a, I don't want to sound pious about it. <laughs> I, I quit lots of things. <laughs> uh, lots of equipment in the garage. <laughs> Same, same, which yeah. is what, you know, it's what makes watching Britney in the movie so relatable because, like, she's a normal person. She's not an athlete, right? right? We see the reality of her life where she begins. And I related to it. I'm like, yeah, there was a period of time where you just drink hard and you go out, especially if you lived in New York City, like, you were, your nightlife is yep. very vibrant. Yep. And where she ends up is is an entirely different place. In some ways, it's, like, a pretty unremarkable tale, but in other ways, it feels very dramatic. In the movie, we see Brittany struggle with binge eating and drinking, getting more and more isolated from her friends and family, and further away from the person that she wants to be. 
running gives her the opening that she needs to change these things in her life and to reinvent herself. For Althea, that opportunity came when she moved across the country for college. I used the, the move from Montana to Massachusetts as a way to be like, okay, none of these people know who I am, so I can just act mm. like a person who works out regularly and on their own accord. <laughs> yeah. Reinvent myself and claim the athlete. Yes. Right. Exactly. The gym was pretty open. Thankfully, I wasn't like working out next to like D1 athletes. I probably would have <laughs> cried or something. Um, but no, it was a bunch of theater kids. So I was able to take comfort in the basement gym that our school had. And I just, you know, how this relates to, you know, Brittany runs a marathon is just that the not having the gear not having the right sports bra, the right yeah, shoes, yeah. and not being able to like run a mile mm-hmm. and starting there. And just how difficult those initial runs <laughs> can be. Yeah. Runs is a broad term in this instance, and maybe a jog <laughs> yeah. is more accurate. But um, it's amazing too when you see in the movie, right, where she in the very beginning of when she starts running, she can't run like was like barely a block, right. you know, when she first starts. Those scenes in the movie, I I think about every time I've had to do something that feels impossible mm-hmm. and, and the idea of forcing yourself to do it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, and I just so deeply resonated with like the complete, the small task, just one day, just one run, making very small changes and then how that builds up to the larger goal. You got this, you got this. The sports movie that changed my life isn't conventional in that it taught me about teamwork or how to achieve my dream, but it taught me about my love life. That's a listener named Caitlin. She sent us a voice memo about another funny marathon movie, Run, Fat Boy, Run. I know that title is a little off-putting, but it's a zany British comedy starring Simon Pegg. In the movie, he gets cold feet and leaves his fiancée at the altar on their wedding day. And years later, he regrets this, and he very much wants to win her back and decides that the best way to do this is by running a marathon. And at the time, I was in my early 20s. I was single. I was dating a lot. And every single guy I was dating just did not seem to be as interested in me as I was in them. But when I saw this movie... Uh, I saw Simon Pegg's character training for the marathon, and even though he was wildly out of shape and he became healthier physically, but as he was also getting healthier physically, he went on this like emotional, spiritual, and mental journey and also got healthier in that sense. And in this one scene, he's talking to his landlord about how he messed up by leaving his girlfriend at the altar and how he did it just because he did not feel like he was good enough. And then his landlord says something to the effect of, I thought the same things on the day I married Mrs. Ghosh Dachdidhar. <laughs> did you? Yes. But guess what? It turned out I was good enough. I made myself good enough. Which is exactly what Simon Peck's character was also doing. He was making himself good enough for the girl that he had left all those years back. And I thought, oh my God, 
I am the only one in the relationship trying to make myself good enough. None of them seem interested at all in making themselves good enough for me. So after I saw this movie, I decided no more bullshit. I am not going to put up with guys who don't call me back. I'm done. And as soon as I decided to cut out all that bullshit, I met my husband. And we now have a daughter who is sitting in her car seat behind me right now, chatting away. Coming up, I find my people. A pair of siblings arguably as obsessed as I am with the life-affirming power of Creed. Dean and I always say that, like, you know, well, you can't just watch Creed. Like, Creed is a reset movie. It's like you Mm -hmm. watch it when... You got to, like, repump that life into yourself and get, like, you know, your second wind. But also, I, it's so funny because sometimes I think we'll be going through a hard time and it's like we also haven't earned it enough. Like, we're not going through too, <laughs> too hard enough a time to get to watch Creed. Like, it's not Creed worthy yet. It's not Creed worthy yes. yet. Like, we got to be down in the dumps. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he will chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. This is Death, Sex, and Money from WNYC. I'm Liliana Maria Persi-Ruiz. When you search online for lists of the greatest sports movies ever made, you'll usually find Hoosiers in the top five. It's a slow-paced movie, atypical for the genre, about a high school basketball team in Hickory, Indiana. The small town is obsessed with basketball, and a new coach, played by Gene Hackman, is hired to try and get their team to the state championship. Well, those of you who don't know, my name is Norman Dale. I coached college ball for 10 years, but it's been 12 years since I've blown this. So. Coach Dale is an outsider, and his way of leading his team can be both intense and unyielding. I understand. Out of here. Right now. You're kicking me out? Yes. Don't come back until you learn to keep your mouth shut and listen. But he's also surprisingly tender. Uh, we're way past big speech time. I, I want to thank you for the last few months. It's been very special for me. God, I've even got tears in my eyes right now. Um, And just, that is just a movie that, sorry, I'm backing up my car. Um, Jared is 49 and grew up in northern Idaho. When he heard our sports movies call out, he immediately thought of that special tenderness Coach Dale shows his kids. In your voice memo when you talked about this, you know, you got emotional. And Mm -hmm. I got emotional listening to it, too. And then I was thinking about that as I watched the movie again this weekend. Um, And I'm just curious, what, what... Brought that up for you, those emotions, and what were you thinking about? Well, uh, he's he's a good coach. Like that, that's what it really comes down to. He's a good coach. He cares for his kids, and and he says it before they walk out on the floor, and it's the last words of the show: "Is I love you guys." Yeah that that really um, that really struck me watching it this time, and I can't imagine that I would have seen that really as a little kid. 
I truly was stunned. I was like, mm-hmm. I can't believe that this this man is saying this to his team and that those are the final words of the movie. How did you receive that now, like as you're watching it? It makes me think about kind of how I parent and um, your love for your children is just so strong and it's such a motivating factor. But I, I want I want my daughter to succeed and I want her to do it on her own. And, and my job is to do everything I can to help prepare her to be her best self. And that's the same thing he's doing with these kids. And I was a college teacher in Japan as well. And very challenging classes. I do have high expectations. And I had a student in the class and her parents had told the school that she had started the term and she absolutely hated me as a teacher because I was just so like unyielding and so harsh and so difficult. But by the end of the class, I had become her favorite teacher. And I know that sounds like a very like tropish thing to say, but I, I know that it was a genuine real thing. And I saw how the things that they were talking about there, I was like, that's exactly I'm glad that she understood it. And I'm not surprised she didn't like me at first because it can seem like that, but she got it. And that's my point. That's I want to make sure that you understand that I'm I'm always there for you. Jared, that sounds no, that sounds like you are kind of channeling Coach Dale. I mean, <laughs> honestly, that's basically what happens to him. It's funny that you said it, because now that I start to look at it, I'm like, I see it more and more. It's, it would be nice to think that part of the reason why I do hold this movie so dear is because I, I, I learned something from it as a kid and just realized that's a great coach, that's a great person, that's a great mentor, a great leader. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's how they act, that's what they do. Focus on the fundamentals that we've gone over time and time again. And most important, don't get caught up thinking about winning or losing this game. If you put your effort and concentration into playing to your potential to be the best that you can be, I don't care what the scoreboard says, at the end of the game, in my book, we're going to be winners. Okay? I think movies, that's one of the things that's so powerful about them, especially the ones we watch over and over again, is that there are so many layers to them that we might not even be able to understand, right? We're kids when we watch these movies often, Mm -hmm. but they kind of keep playing in the background and they do influence us. And so I wouldn't be surprised if like Coach Dale somehow was there in the background influencing you as you started to become an adult. I think about Hoosiers and I see it all like simultaneously. It's, It's like the background radiation in the universe. Like all of those lessons, they just kind of exist for me all the time. And I I don't feel like I really think about Hoosiers as like, oh, remember when Coach Dale said, I love you guys. (laughs) But it's almost like I'm always thinking about Hoosiers. Hi, Death, Sex, and Money crew. I'm here to tell you about my favorite sports movie, which is Whip It. Brianna is 31 and grew up outside of Philadelphia. Whip It came out when I was in high school and my friends and I watched it together and I just thought, wow, this looks so fun. Ladies and gentlemen, let's play some roller The movie stars Elliot Page as Bliss, a teenager in a small town in Texas who falls in love with roller derby and the community that comes with it. Bliss joins a team called the Hurl Scouts and competes under the name Babe Ruthless. There's so much, you know, joy in that movie and so much of a sense of queer community and just community in general. And 
the fun that comes from from playing this kind of wild sport on on wheels. The movie made a big impression on Brianna and her friends. A couple years later, when we were walking around, we saw a flyer to go to a bout with Philadelphia's flat track derby team. Going to it and being in that space totally changed my life. I just want to tell you all that you're my new heroes. It's your first time here? Yeah. Well, put some skates on. Be your own hero. (laughs) It took a couple of years, but when I moved to a new city after college, I finally joined a roller derby team. And I found a queer community in this new city where I only previously had really known one person I, for the first time in my entire life, felt proud of my body and really started thinking of myself as an athlete. I was was picked last in gym class and have a very vivid memory of always scoring the lowest in all of the presidential fitness tests. You know, really going from someone who never thought of themselves as athletic and I'm now a runner and I've uh, summited some small mountains. Yeah, I just love Whip It because it brought me to this big part of my life. After seven years of playing roller derby, Brianna is currently taking a break. She's adjusting to life as a new mom, but she's looking forward to going back again. And when she does, she'll go by her roller derby name, Scary Poppins. As I shared at the top of this episode, I'm a big fan of the Creed series, and it has gotten me through some hard times in the past. But nothing like what I faced this year. Around the time Creed 3 came out, my brother was diagnosed with cancer. And then two of my friends died from it. I was completely overwhelmed by grief, incapacitated, and at a loss as to how to sit with it each day. I found myself repeating Adonis' mantra. One point. One run at a time. One step at a time. One punch at a time. One One round at a time. And I didn't stop there. I even bought myself multiple t-shirts on Etsy with pictures of Michael B. Jordan's face on them. He plays Adonis. To remind me that I was strong. That I would survive. And then a few months ago, I was catching up with my friend Aketi. She's an assistant producer at Radiolab here at WNYC. And I was surprised to learn that Creed 3 and the entire Creed franchise has also played a key role in her life and in the life of her older brother, Dina. They spent their childhoods in a couple of different countries on the African continent and had movie nights together every Friday. Remember that, Kay? Getting all cozied up with blankets. Yeah, my brother's like the ultimate experience maker. (laughs) The lights are off. The snacks, they have to be ready. Everyone has a blanket. He would always set up like the couches in a specific way. Curtains closed. We got to feel like we're actually at the movies. As Dina and Aketi got older, they kept up their movie watching tradition. Each release in the Creed series became a family event even though Dina lives in New York and Aketi's in D.C. Previously, me and Aketi, we'd always go and see it together. But this year, we weren't able to watch the third one together. But you know. Yeah, I mean, like, 
we did plan on going, like I was supposed to go visit New York at the time to go watch it, but I was having a really, <laughs> I was having a really rough time when that movie came out. Yeah. And so I actually called him, um, called my brother to be like, hey, like, I know this was the plan. I know it's supposed to come up, but like, I'm really going through it right now. And I kind of yeah. just need to see this movie. Like, yeah, yeah. It was kind of the it. one thing that I was focusing on. I'm like, this is going to get me out. It's going to help me. Um, and he was like, okay. I, I could tell he was really disappointed, but ultimately he was like, yeah, no, I get it. Um, mm. What was it about it that you knew it was going to help you? Yeah. So there are a couple things happening. So our aunt had passed away, super sudden, very out of the blue, kind of scary. And in addition to, you know, death of family, I was kind of dealing with like a a sort of death of self or like how I had viewed myself, but Mm -hmm. it wasn't in a positive way of like, I'm this phoenix that's transforming. It was sort of like a real disappointment. Mm. Um, Actually, everyone in Creed 3, I think, is like really dealing with some kind of disappointment of self. Yes. Yeah. That kind of resonated with me too because I actually wanted to uh I still do. I do want to act. Um and I'm not as close as I would like to be compared to when I was younger. Mm. Um back in like high school or like, you know, beginning of college, I had this idea of myself of like where I would be at a certain age and I'm not. And um so watching Damien when he's telling Creed how his clock is ticking and I feel like I have those thoughts in my own head mm-hmm. about like, you know, Dina, you're you're thirty. What like how how are you gonna get there at this point? But that's a big part of Creed for me, is just going through the struggle yeah. and coming out on top or even not knowing if you'll come out on top, which is why the yeah. first movie is also really good because he does lose the fight, but he gains a lot of respect out of yeah. it and experience. So that's the best I think we can all hope for. Yeah. What like Creed does for me is like also show me that like half the battle is just being able to take a serious beating and continue to go, continue to keep going because you like my mm-hmm. Adonis Creed gets beat up. Oh my god! <laughs> like he gets I mean. beat up. You think, oh my god, are they gonna stop this practice because he's gonna die? Because mm-hmm. um, Drago has just like beat the shit out of him, right? And then he starts having these flashbacks to when he was a little kid and ran away. And yes. every time that he's been beaten and knocked out and then gotten up, it is so chilling. And then he gets up again and he takes yeah. off his like headgear and he just goes for it. That moment of him getting back up from his previous fights when he yeah. was all the way down like that, that also gets my, uh, I can be like, I need to go back to the gym. What am I doing? <laughs> like, that's the other thing about Michael B. Jordan. And on top of that, too, um, Jonathan Major. Jonathan like, Majors. I, I kind of just look at them just like, dang, I, I, I need to go to the gym. Like, yeah, it no, motivates no me way. to take care of my body better. I know. Like, I'm not even kidding. When I was watching it this week, I just started doing some crunches. I was like, <laughs> I'm watching him, and I'm like, I'm doing this. This is amazing. 
Yeah, no, the training arcs are like, oh, yeah, man. honestly, a Creed, a Creed training arc, you just like, it's made to perfection. Something that's always going on with me, because um, I had this car accident in 2019. Oh, I'm and, so sorry. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm okay, but... Um, it kind of messed me up in like a couple of areas. I had to get knee surgery. Oof. And, you know, my body just hasn't been the same since. Mm. So my default job, why I don't have a nine to five, is catering. And it really is pretty hard on my body, especially my back. Yeah, you're standing the whole time carrying things. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, watch, watching like honestly any of the Creed films, it's... um. You know, that whole idea of perseverance mm -hmm. and just going through it. Like, I love this one line that um, in the third film, uh, Duke, he says, pain is temporary. So sometimes I'll run that through my head. Mm. And I'll just say, you know what? I can get through this. Pain is temporary. Mm -hmm. Pain is temporary. Because I'm, as a kid, he knows, she, we love this line from number two. It's like, I'm dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> when do you use that line with each other? Oh, like so often. Yeah, we'll be on the phone. Something's <laughs> happening. It's like, nah, you got it. I'm dangerous. Listen to me. You got everything to lose. He's got nothing to lose. When a fighter ain't got nothing to lose, he's dangerous. I'm dangerous. That scene is just too good. Thank you, Dina and Aketi, for talking through all three Creed movies with me and for sharing in the love. And shout out to Ryan Coogler and Michael B. Jordan for making these movies that remind us to fight stronger. Also, a thank you to Lizzie, Althea, Caitlin, Brianna, and Jared for sharing their stories and sports movies with all of us. Death, Sex, and Money is a listener-supported production of WNYC Studios in New York. This episode was produced by Andrew Dunn. The rest of the team is Anna Sale, Zoe Azoulay, and Lindsay Foster-Thomas. Our intern is Ellie McKay. And special thanks this week to Jackie Ferrantino for her illustration, which captures all the joy and inspiration that sports movies have to offer. You can check it out on our Instagram, at Death, Sex, Money. The Reverend John Delore and Steve Lewis wrote our theme music. And thanks to Lindsay Bell in Lexington, Kentucky, for being a member of Death, Sex, and Money and supporting us with a monthly donation. We couldn't do this without you, Lindsay, and all of our sustaining members. So thank you. And admittedly, some sports movies can be a little cheesy. But for Aketi, that's one of the reasons they work so well. The sauce is in the cheese. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> the sauce is in the cheese for these movies. Anna will be back next week. I'm Liliana Maria Percy Ruiz, and this is Death, Sex, and Money from WNYC. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. 
From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, Our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. 